Ace Podcast. Bunch of folks saw him from the window. The man there at your car. He was standing there at your car, sniffing that laundry. Holding big handfuls of it under his nose. Looked like he was liking it too. Hey guys, this is the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from TheMoonIsDeadWorld.net, and I'm joined by my co-host Martin. How's it going? He's here every week. <laughs> Haven't missed a show yet. Kind of part of part of the whole show. So, um, and we are finishing up our '90s slasher month with a slasher film that's not from the '90s. It's no. actually from the early 2000s, 2001, and. Um, the reason that we're kind of throwing this in as a bonus episode is because it does mesh, even though it doesn't seem like it because it's not part of that decade, it does mesh with our nostalgic view of uh, slasher films. Because we've been covering a lot of the late 90s for our uh, slasher month, and um, this film has is, is feels like it's right within that spectrum. Like, it's it's one that we come back to. You you saw it, like, around that time. Right when it came Very out. close to the time it came out. Um, and so, even though it's not a 90s slasher movie, we're including it in the month anyway as a special bonus episode in kind of notating it as an OO's slasher <laughs> film. It's, it's a good gap uh, and bridge between the boom of the late 90s slasher films and then the horror porn that would soon, you know... Yeah, yeah, because torture porn that would soon follow. Yeah, so. torture porn is is right around the corner. We're you're getting ready for it here, and then in it's it is a good segue. You're right because with a lot of the other films that were coming out in the 2000s, there's not really like a huge amount of slasher films coming out at the time. So this is kind of like a holdover. This is you know this film is you know sort of it seems like it could be a late 90s slasher film. Um, even though that a lot of like uh, this sort of '90s style and uh, music and things like that is not present in this film, no. um, you can still see the the inspiration from it and the 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 effect that that had on this film. So obviously, we're talking about drumroll. If you've seen um, the the pictures that I've been releasing, you you probably know what it is already. But we're talking about Jeepers Creepers. The uh, 2001 Victor Salva film um, started a whole uh, big thing, I guess. It, is, it, it spawned a sequel. Uh, the sequel is not nearly as good as the first film. Um, but it's actually, we're coming up on, it's, Victor Salva's been working on a third film for quite a while now. It's coming out in September. Yep, and uh, it's coming out very soon, so we're, we're kind of timely on this. Um, I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. You want to see it and see what's going on with it? He's had a l- long time to uh, <laughs> kind of think about things and figure out where to go with it. So, um, 
Just imagine him for like a decade, just sitting in like a office space, like typewriter and like a notepad and pen, and paper, and just like writing an idea. He's like, no, that won't work, and I like crumple it up and throw it away. I mean, I think he's had uh, the idea for quite a while. I mean, maybe he's. You know, it's probably been budding since the original Jeepers Creepers, I believe, and and I think there was always a plan to to do a third one at the time, and it just didn't pan out. Because Jeepers Creepers two sucked. Yeah, Jeepers Creepers two really, really didn't uh, didn't take off, even though Ray Wise is in it. I don't know why, but it didn't take off. But I think that there is some excitement for Jeepers Creepers three, and then you also have the other side of of. Uh, cinema uh, fans who are very much opposed to Victor Salva making any sort of film. So, um, and I think even when Jeepers Creepers got re-released by Scream Factory, which was not that long ago, I think probably last October it was or something like that, um, which I covered at the time, there's a huge, um, you know, outlash against Scream Factory for even bothering to do this for Jeepers Creepers and Jeepers Creepers 2. Like, why restore these films when you... A lot of people don't even really see the merit of giving Victor Salva the opportunity to be in the limelight. So, at this point, I think we're just going to touch on this briefly and say that, you know, Victor Salva, convicted pedophile, certainly served time for his crime. And at that point, we kind of have to allow the law to play out how it's written and how it was uh, pursued and, and leave it at that. And, you know, everybody ha- should have the chance to pursue a life after they've served their, their time, whether it was, um, you know, what the public deems you know, a, a satisfactory outcome or not. Uh, that was the law. That was the, the, what, what happened with it. Nothing we can do to change it at this time. So at this point, that's all we're really going to address with the uh, with, within the aspect of pedophilia and Victor Salva and his uh, conviction. So uh, I'm not really going to bring that up anymore. It doesn't really have any bearing on what we're going to talk about within no. the film itself. So just a little, uh, you know, I don't know, warning or whatever that it's not going to come up again. And obviously we're going to just got to kind of you just got to think about it rationally. Like, right. Again, whether or not his 15 months in prison suited the crime or not. That's what he got, and yep. that was uh, the that, that that's what happened. Yeah. That was and the this you know he went to trial. There was a suit, and that's what happened. And you can't really bar him from trying to make a living, right? Because when you do that, like oh you you know how uh, you know a lot of applications when you apply, they ask if you're a convicted felon, mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll you know bar you from you know even the position if you were if you can't ever you know try to make a decent living. Right. Even if you, you know, no matter what your crime was, then that's just setting, you know, people back up to fall. to fail again and, yeah. and do whatever they were doing previously, so yeah. even if they really did attempt to change. So um, that's pretty much all we're going to touch on about that. And then we're going to talk the rest of the time about Jeepers Creepers, the film itself, and also the beer that we're drinking because uh, we do have a new beer on tap for today. Um, but first, before we get into all the whole beer talk, continue on the intro a little bit um i know you have fond memories of jeepers creepers yeah it's um i i saw when i was like a, right when it came out on vhs i was at a friend's house um there's quite a few of us spending the night and 
got on VHS and got to watch it. Or one of our friends was hiding under his sleeping bag the entire time, pretending to be asleep because he was uh, <laughs> he's afraid. Um, but I, I have fond memories because of that. And not only that, because lo- Justin Long is such a absolute delight and treasure in this film. Amazing. Just and we'll Giving ta- it his all. Yeah. I'm surprised he was nominated for Saturn Awards for Best like New Actor and... And we'll talk about more when we like talk about more of the overall acting. But I'll just say like this: like his performance in this is a delight and a treasure. At least it is to me. Like I oh, yeah. think. Oh yeah, I mean it, it's everything that you would hope from a uh, very exaggerated performance. It's amazing. I can only imagine what his, the direction he was given. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So I. I it's definitely, you know, I think out of all the movies we've done, I think the one I least had, like, the fondest memories of or thinking about was, um, I'm trying to, the, the Faculty, probably. Yeah. Because Urban Legend, I know what you did last summer, this, and, uh... Halloween H2O. Halloween H2O. Um, I had, like, you know, a pretty decent memory of, uh, Faculty... I had a good, decent memory of, but I mean, like, I just didn't really, like, even when I saw it when I was young, I just didn't think too much. I was like, oh, you know, whatever. That's kind of, you know, which was great, rewatching it, because that was like, oh, that's got, you know, more merit to it than fucking, I know what you did last summer. Right. I never thought I would think that. That's but, true. Yeah. You know, but this, this what rewatching it is, because um, it's probably the first time I've seen it in, like, ten years. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's... Nostalgia's worn off, but it's still got some delightful moments. In yeah, it. I, th- I, yeah, I think it's probably um, one of the better films that we've covered in the '90s slasher month. Um, and uh, it, we, you know, obviously, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Compare those down the line as we we get into um, deeper parts of the film. But uh, I think it is, you know, it does hold up since that's since I've last seen it. Um, obviously I just saw it last October, but before that, like when I, when I watched it in October, I hadn't seen it since, I don't know, like five or six years it had been probably. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised at how well it held up and, and, and how enjoyable it was for what it is. Obviously it's a pretty, um, at times cheesy horror film. Um, and the, the monster itself doesn't always work. Um, but I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it, even even uh, despite some of its its apparent flaws. So um, pretty interesting, and we'll get into that specifically later on in the podcast. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, but first, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, one of our Ace Podcast members, and then we'll talk about the beer that we've got on the podcast tonight because we do have a smattering of new stuff that we've never had on here before. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a change-up from, from what we normally cover. So stay tuned. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. 
Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. Check out the PCC Multiverse today on the Ace Podcast Network. All right, so we've got a new beer on the podcast today. Um, well, actually, I should say multiple new beers because really we've had a couple tonight trying to um, do the whole pack in one episode, I guess. Um I've never had this before, but I saw it at Walmart, and I decided to pick it up because I'd never... I, the, the name didn't really register me to me or anything else. Um, the pack is Trouble Brewing Company, and uh, it looked interesting. Uh, I got a picture of it from my wife, actually, who went to the store, and she's like, what do you want? She sent me a picture. I saw it on the shelf, didn't know what it was, asked what that was, and then ended up getting it because it had a couple of interesting things, like a pale ale, an IPA, an amber ale, and then a, a Belgian white as well. Um, come to find out that you tell me that's actually Walmart's craft beer line. Trouble Brewing Company is an air quote that craft. <laughs> right, right, exactly. That's their part of their their craft beer lineup. If you're not craving a Rockdale, yeah, that's right. You go for the Trouble Brewing Company. I did not know that. So you know that kind of it doesn't really taint my uh, my feelings about Trouble Brewing Company, but um, it definitely you know, adds a different layer to how you perceive the beer once you know it's a like a Walmart brand beer. But I think that from the standpoint of me having it, I had a few prior to learning that tidbit that it's a Walmart brand beer. Um, it doesn't really change my, my uh, feelings about it. Um, they're not bad. I, I think they're pretty drinkable. They come in a, a can and it comes in a 12-pack uh, with four different beers in the in the pack, um, they're not bad, uh, but at the same time, there's nothing that really stands out too much about them. They're they're just they're just drinkable and and kind of generic. So you had the pale ale today, which mm-hmm. it, they called that the uh, what was that called there? Um, um, I can't even remember at this point. I know that I had I can, all I remember is the IPA name because it's like cats. I think away. it was Rainy Day Pale Ale or something like that. I'm checking my untapped right now. I I had the Cats Away IPA, which um is not bad. It's pretty much a generic American pale ale, uh, IPA. I mean, and um, it's not super hoppy, not really high on the bitterness, um, but it's it's. It's not bad. I'll give it that. Yeah, a little watery taste. They yeah. all they all do. I'll say that they got like yeah, not like like you're drinking like a Bud Light water, but you can tell like it's not. Uh, yeah, it's not the super... malt. The malts and the hops in it are very uh, you like pretty muted because the pale ale. It, it's after party, by the way. Um, I'll give it credit because most uh, most craft breweries have turned their pale ales into IPAs. Right. Um, it's pale ale. But at the same time, like it's just the malts on it are pretty muted, the hops are pretty muted, and it just tastes like a very like you know, just generic. I mean, it's drinkable, but it's just a very generic, just like huh. Right. Well, this is you know, this is something different. And I'll say the same thing about their uh, Belgian White, which is the Round Midnight. Um, it tastes like a you know muted, watered down Belgian White. It's not bad. It's just like, yeah, all right. Get some little notes of wheat, a little slight fruitiness, you know, from like the hops they use in it. But other than that, it's just, it's just there. Mm-hmm. Just... Yeah, I think I, I, out of all of them, 
I would say I probably enjoyed the pale ale and the red flag amber ale the most. Um, which is the red flag is what I'm drinking right now. It's an amber ale and they added a little bit of honey to it. I think it has a pretty good taste to it. Um, but again, it doesn't have a huge flavor profile to it. It's very muted. And I think that's probably indicative of all of trouble brewing company's beers. They just don't want to go too heavy on the flavors and that, I don't know why, you know, as a craft beer, they, they haven't, you know, gotten into a more, like a heavier, more flavorful well, brew, but... It's probably cost and the fact that the people who are buying are probably some, you know, people who are probably, you know, trying something new. Like, uh, right. They're, like, trying to explore outside of, like, the macro beers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because... Because I imagine most people who are into craft beer know that it's owned by Walmart and, you know, probably by that fact alone, like, I'm not fucking buying that. Right. I mean, I did not know it at the time, and, and, you know, I pretty much based my decision to purchase it on the fact that I hadn't had it before, and it was, like, one of the only things on the shelf that I hadn't had. So, I mean, I think it could have... It doesn't help the beer selection in our Walmart. Pretty Right, it wasn't that good. Pretty pitiful. Yeah, I mean, but I think the appeal was there for beer drinkers. If they're looking for something a little different, then they're going to reach out and you know, tr- at least try the Trouble Brewing Company pack because it's something they haven't had before. Um, definitely, I have not seen it before, but I also don't shop Walmart that often for beer. So uh, it kind of was just like a one-off purchase. I would normally not go there um, because for one thing, they never, if you're like purchasing beer in a supermarket, they never have any deals on it. So there's not really an incentive to go to Walmart because, like you said, they have a terrible selection for one thing, and you're not even going to get a good price on the it. The one year they had Jenny, the, the one year, it was like three years ago, they had Jenny Bach there for when it was in season. Yeah. And I got there because they had it for, I had no idea why. It was 524 12-pack. Mm-hmm. They had regular Jenny, like the cream ale and the light 12-packs there, like eight ninety nine. The Bach, for some reason, is like five twenty four. I bought like two cases of them. I'm like, yeah. well, I'm stocked up for a while now. I don't know why they did it, but that's like the one year they had, and they haven't had since. So, yeah. but yeah, other than that, their prices are pretty um on the same as uh every other place around here. Yeah, basically. So if you're looking for a deal or something, they don't have it. But um, granted, if I was out in Utica, I would go to Walmart. Because they have Old Milwaukee there, and it's nine ninety nine for an eighteen pack, and you can't get Old Milwaukee around. Can't here. beat that. So um, I would. <laughs> the Trouble Brewing Company beer, the twelve pack, was uh, under fourteen dollars. I know that, so it's not bad, not a bad price for it. Um, and I mean, I think that it's worth it for you to at least try it. I don't think anybody's going to come out of this saying like, "Wow, I really pissed away my money on this one." You know, I. But you're not gonna at the same time go. Wow, I'm gonna buy this. Right? No, I. I <laughs> don't know if you would search it out, like consistently. Like I've got to get Trouble Brewing Company yet again, um, and I don't think that I really would either. But at the same time, I think it's pretty drinkable. I think if they marketed maybe like the pale ale as sort of a like a session pale ale or something like that, it may even attract some more people. To it, because I think it's pretty light anyway. It's uh, I don't think it has a high alcohol content. No, it does. It's um, does it really? I, the, the, I know the white ale is like five point seven. 
I mean, the Belgian wine. Yeah, I mean, this um, one, the red flag, the amber ale, is only 4.2. Just on the low spectrum for, uh, an amber. especially for an amber. Let me see. I, I thought I could have swore I remember the, the pale ale being kind of high. Yeah, the uh, five point three. So it's uh, you know, so it's on little, average, yeah. little little above average. And uh, the Catsaway IPA was five point eight. So that's on the higher scale as well for for the IPA. So yeah, so maybe I think maybe if they were to tone down the the alcohol content on the pale ale or the IPA and market it as a session, they might have a little bit more uh, leeway to get away with like some of the lesser flavor yeah. aspects to to some of those. No, I agree. If you, if the Catsaway was a uh... Session IPA, it'd fit mm-hmm. more of the profile. Yeah, I think they, I think they could definitely do something with that. Um, looking on Untapped, I didn't really see any other styles besides the four that are in this pack, except for a Hefeweizen, which no one had checked into. So I have to assume that that may be a mistake or something like that. I didn't, or as I said, um, no, no one, just no one likes Hefeweizen. <laughs> Get that shit out of here. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I would be interested if if there are any around to just at least give that a shot. But I'm not a huge fan of the style anyway. So. I would. I, it's one of the, it's, it, there's a new Hefeweizen in the Sam's yes, summer there pack, is, yeah. and I'm like, mm. yeah. But I wonder if it has the banana profile or more of a citrusy doesn't matter. profile. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Either way, you're not interested. Yeah, no, thank yeah. you. Pass. <laughs> we'll see you in fall. <laughs> it's true. All right, so Trouble Brewing Company. It's okay. You probably wouldn't seek it out. No, never. You wouldn't, you wouldn't get it again. I would never. I mean, you didn't get it this time, but you wouldn't. Uh, you wouldn't like go out and, and buy call, it for yourself. Call me out there. No. <laughs> oh, I did have. This is a little sidebar because on uh, Monday I went to a place around here called Dinosaur Barbecue. So, yep. pretty well known. Uh, Upstate New York uh, barbecue place. It used to just popular be, in Sy- Syracuse. Used, yeah, originally in Syracuse, and now they got a location in Troy, and I think a few other places. Mm-hmm. I went to one in Troy. And I've been there a couple of times, but I remember. I think when I first went there, when I was back when I was in college, they didn't have their own uh, like house beer, but they had um, they had on tap their um, what they call their dinosaur ape hanger, which is a pale ale, and I'd say that was pretty good. Um, originally, because I didn't get, actually get enough time to look at the menu, as soon as I sat down, the waitress was like, hi, what can I get to you drink? I was like, Sam Adams, because when they don't, if, I don't know if people know this, but if you ever sit down at a restaurant, and you're just like, you don't even get to open the menu, if the waitress, show, waiter or waitress shows up, if I don't have time to look at a drink and see like what I actually want, I'll just say the fir- I at least say the first thing that I want, I won't be like, oh, hold on, let me, let me look and peruse, you know? Yeah. You have so, a thing about that. Well, I just don't want to be like an asshole. And be like, <laughs> oh, really? We just sat down. And went, I I totally will just say. I'm no, I know, honest. I know. That's how you are. Yeah. But so she was like, "What do you want to drink?" And I was like, "Sam Adams," but they didn't have any more. So so you got a chance. So, well, it was good too because the Sam uh, Sam Adams was on tap. It was five bucks for a bottle of it. Yeah, so, and it was um, well, it said three fifty on the menu, but it was, it got charged five a piece for the ape hanger. Oh. But anyway, it was still it was it was good. Um, I liked it quite a bit because um, it's like it's like we've said before in the podcast. It's it was a pale ale that actually tasted like a pale ale, not an IPA. It had a nice hop hoppiness to it, but it wasn't very hoppy. It, so like it, the malt and the hop, you know, balanced out perfectly, and you could drink it and tell that it leaned more to like an 
traditional English pale ale instead of, you know. Yeah. And it's made by Middle Ages, which does do a pretty good uh, English pale ale in general. They do the Impaled Ale, um, which is uh, English pale ale. And I really like that style. Um, so I think that, you know, they probably would do a good job. I've never had the, the ape hanger before because I actually have never been to Dinosaur Barbecue. It's delicious. But, um... Expensive, but it's... Yeah, I'm it's, sure. You, you'll, you get your fucking money's worth. Because yeah. I, I got a, a brisket sandwich. And it was, uh... Like a... It had, like, a Kentucky-style, like, uh... Barbecue on it, and it came with bacon. Which I wasn't... Ex- I didn't read it well enough. I didn't think the bacon... I knew there was going to be, like, some cheese on it. But, uh, but I didn't see the bacon part. So when I got it, I was like, I got surprise bacon. <laughs> like, yeah. Jesus Christ. And it came with, like, a nice, uh... Nice roll, and I get ordered two sides with like a coleslaw and mac and cheese, and their mac and cheese is great. So, hmm. but uh, yeah. I, and I finally got, and I finally got to use the line with our friend Matt because I always say it to him because he's never seen the movie Life. You ever see the movie Life with Martin Lawrence, Eddie Murphy? No, they get convicted for a crime they didn't, uh, a murder they didn't commit, and they get no. sentenced to life. Oh, it's hilarious! Terrific late nineties kind of music film. Anyway, there's a scene in the movie where there's a uh, one of the guys is yelling at uh, Martin Lawrence if he's going to eat his cornbread. And Martin's like, no, you can have my cornbread. And Rick's like, fuck that guy. Fuck that asshole. That's your cornbread. If he wants more cornbread, he gets his own cornbread. <laughs> and the guy just goes, maybe I'll eat your cornbread. So I always say that to him. Like when he's like, if I want to pick something off his meal, I'd be like, we don't eat your cornbread. It was great because he—I didn't get a corn muffin with my uh, oh. with my uh, thing, but he got a, like a quarter rack of ribs, so he got a corn muffin with his. And I love me some you know cornbread yeah. and corn muffins, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So someday I'll get there. Well, we can go, you know. Yeah, one yeah. of these days. I don't know. I took a day off in July. All right. So that's our beer talk for today. Trouble Brewing Company also covered uh, the dinosaur barbecue ape hanger. Check them out. At least the the ape hanger. The trouble brewing, you may or may not like. It's Walmart special. And even if you don't like the ape hanger, their dinosaur's food is fucking great. Yeah. Come on down to upstate New York slash Syracuse area and and get yourself some. Be be a good old time. (laughs) All right. We'll take a commercial break and then we'll come right back with Jeepers Creepers. Thank you for seeing me today, doctor. Of course. I see you're having some issues. Yeah, it all started when I ran out of podcasts to listen to. I felt anxious, alone, and even scared. It happens all too often. Podcast deficiency disorder. It can be a serious struggle with no answer in sight. Until now. Introducing Nerdy Words from Geek Productions. Through intense peer review studies, the Nerdy Words team have developed the perfect formula to finally defeat all symptoms of PDD. With just one episode a week, your feelings of helplessness through lack of podcast satisfaction will be a thing of the past. With heavy doses of off-the-cuff, barely put-together thoughts about all things nerdy and beyond, your PDD will melt away. Side effects include frustration at hosts' inability to accurately quote facts, annoyance at their often bitchy attitudes, and inability to understand them through their drunken slurs every five episodes. Do not listen if you are nursing pregnant or may become pregnant. Comics, movies, anime, video games, and much, much more with Nerdy Words. Fridays on acepodcastnetwork.com. Who am I? 
<laughs> a very bad impression of Justin Long. Yeah, you've got a better one. It's yeah, you do it pretty well. I, I'm not one to be braggadocious. I mean, your, yours is exaggerated and Jeepers Creepers because watching it, he doesn't do it like nonstop like you like you make it out to me. Well, but. that's part of the nostalgia for me because I remember so much more of him just be like, go go go. Yeah, it's funny how it's, your memory is like completely incorrect in that. In that sense. He no, but he is like that. But like I said, I think the whole part of comedy, Ryan, is you take something and you exaggerate. That is true. So, it, no, I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, yes. So in Jeepers Creepers, uh, Justin Long and Gina Phillips, they're really are two main characters that we get throughout most of the film. I mean, there's it's really. <laughs> I mean, there's not that many other people in, in this film besides the Creeper. And I think that in order to really feel immersed in this this film, you have to at least like the characters a little bit. Do you find that you like Justin Long's character, Derry? Not Daryl, as the <laughs> subtitles seem to suggest, but Derry uh, in this film? Kind of? Yeah. And the same... Gina... Um, she's so much of, like, a bitch <laughs> that she's pretty hard to like. Yeah. And then Justin Long as Derry is so... At the same time, I get what they're going for. Like, the whole exasperated, don't-know-what-to-do shock reaction. Like, that... Obviously, if you're put in a situation where you fall down a fucking pipe and you see, like, hundreds of bodies sewn up, you would probably be mouth the gate going, like, this is fucking awful. <laughs> you know, you'd be like that. You wouldn't be like, wow, this, this is fucking <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like, No, maybe I would, though. I I can kind of see myself just falling down there and being like, whoa, this is, uh, this is trippy. <laughs> I mean, some people might, but I imagine most people would probably, what am I gonna do? Yeah. You know, so I mean, like, I understand, like, it's like, hey, it's going for a more realistic thing, but at the same time, it's comedic, because again, he's just like, when, like, anytime he's in a scene like that, he's just like, eyes wide open, like, they gotta hammer home to you, like, jeepers, creepers, where'd you get those peepers? So his eyes are wide open, his mouth's agape, just going, ah, ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. I so. think <laughs> I think that Jeepers Creepers, as a film, like you, you do have to like its main characters, but you don't have to love them. Um, I think more so, you just have to kind of be able to get into the realism of the idea of the story. So it's pretty simple, really. Two kids coming home from college uh, on a road trip. Kind of taking the taking the scenic route. Why? Uh, yeah, why? On a on a dangerous highway that people know potentially someone died on and they were decapitated. This was obviously years ago, about twenty years ago. But the, both characters know that they there there has been a murder on this highway about a hundred miles from where they are. But at the same time, still a little weird. Um, taking a scenic back route, you know, that's probably Hicksville country. And an old shitty car. Yeah, and an old ter- terrible transmission car um coming home from college brother and sister you know nothing weird about that just going both going to the same college both very close taking a taking a road trip and um yeah i don't like their relationship that's a bit weird (laughs) but uh uh yeah but they're coming home and uh they get stopped by 
they they get pursued by this crazy truck driver driving a near like almost like a tank <laughs> style uh, vehicle. Nineteen like thirty five like paddy wagon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and noticing that he could be potentially hauling around a lot of dead bodies and throwing them into his uh, his little lair. Um, and really, that's it. That's the main storyline. Now, my question is, because his license plate is beating you or eating you. Yeah. Beating you. Eating you. Yeah. It's a specialty plate, right? Novelty plate. Right, exactly. How the fuck this, you know... Well, he applied at the local DMV <laughs> like anybody else would. <laughs> so say, like, is it like in backwoods Florida? It's normal for some it's normal, gr- you, gray-skinned, yeah. bat-looking man, half spawn, yeah. half something from the X-Men to show up? Like, me like, ah, got a plate I need. Well, perhaps <laughs> someone else had a stupid vanity plate called Be Eating You, and uh, they took it from there. Or some, some douchebag teenager... <laughs> Had it literally, it was supposed to mean beating you. It was like a bully scenario, and he's like, "Well, I, I, I could take that for myself." And he stuck it on his <laughs> his little beat up old. Patty I know, man. but if it's technically supposed to be be eating you, yeah, it, like the whole teenager thing would fall flat because we all know a teenager's not gonna eat pussy. He's selfish. No, I'm saying <laughs> that the teenager, as a bully, meant it to be beating you, as Justin Long mistakenly refers to it, and then. I love that in 2001, they're still playing, like, the plate game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and if we're going to bring up the plate game, they do bring up the whole... There's one one plate that they see right at the beginning that Justin Long, <laughs> Justin Long mistakes for gay fever or gay forever. And uh, for one... For 2001, one, people. Yeah, 2001. <laughs> but uh, Gina Phillips' character, Trish, finds it to be sex a sexy... Forever or something like that. It's like no six A doesn't really make up sexy to me. Six A. Yeah, no, I think no, nah, that's stretching yeah. it. I think gay gay fever is probably the the more obvious choice on that. Even though she she clearly points out that it's a six, not a G. At the same time, I think gay fever really works in that scenario. This is like in the twilight, like the not twilight. I'm using that word wrong. In the the dawn of like you know like internet like noob you know, yeah like, yeah yeah like, this sort of yeah uh stylized you know, numbers and letters yeah. wording yeah exactly i mean it's pretty it's pretty uh progressive for the time um but yeah i i think that the storyline for jeepers creepers is really simple and i think that's a strong suit for the film i don't think it needs to be super complex or complicated and honestly, I think that first part of the film works the best. The part where they're being pursued on the highway. Um, they do stop off at the, the creeper's lair and kind of see everything that he's been doing. See the, the um, almost supernatural element to the, to, to the creeper before they really know anything about him. And um, that's, that's a tense part. There's a lot of things that Victor Salva is channeling in that first in that beginning, like Duel, Steven Spielberg's Duel, very uh, prominent in that first part where they're being chased by the truck, um, and I think that's a really good suspenseful scene. Uh, it's something that I wish that Jeepers Creepers had done a little bit more with. It's good when you have just another trying, yeah, trying, yeah, yeah, no, 
Um, <laughs> Justin Long just freaking out. <laughs> They're both freaking out. Yeah. I mean, Gina Phillips is like at the same level of, you know. Uh, no, I would not put her on the same level as Justin Long in this film. No, because no, she's more wooden. Wooden, but also <laughs> she does have better reactions with, with uh, facial reactions. Her expressions are a lot more nuanced than Justin Long's like, I'm wide-eyed. Obviously, I'm nervous. Obviously, I'm scared. Or, like, the mouth open with the tongue flapping out, like, oh, I don't know what to do with myself. Rats! <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, you know, in this case, Gina Phillips is a lot more nuanced. Even though, yeah, she is kind of wooden. Mm, I wouldn't say, I, I don't think nuanced. I, I think her facial expressions I th- are I much more I think, much I think more the nuanced. fact that she's wooden negates... Any idea of nuance? You can't well, be you can't be nuanced and wooden at the well, same her, time. Well, her delivery is kind of wooden, but as I was saying, her facial expressions, the way that she portrays things, I think, compared to Justin Long, you have a lot more sort of room to figure out, like, oh, maybe she's not just to- feeling like total scared, or you know, and and then at the same time, it's funny that it's certain points along the film, Justin Long's character is forced to say things like, I'm so scared, Trish. It's like, no fucking shit you are. I mean, you're, you're, you basically are, have the point where your drool's hanging out of your mouth because you can't, you can't even like you can't function at this time. Um, it's, it's pretty funny. And I don't necessarily blame Justin Long for those issues. I think part of it too is the direction you know, Victor Selva at a certain point needs to step in and say, Justin, this is the same exact Tone expression yeah. you've been wearing for the entire film. Like, no. this is 40... Uh, let me go back through the reel. 40 <laughs> minutes of you with your mouth open. You know, know what his facial expressions are? They're Zoolander. Yeah. With, you know, like, this is blue steel. This is magnum. And they're all, every look from, yeah. you know, Derek Zoolander. That's Justin Long in this, you know, it's like, okay, Justin, give me happy. <laughs> <laughs> give me sad. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's the same. It's pretty much. I think that it really comes out in that scene where he's in the in the um church basement where he's looking at all the bodies and that's really like cuz in that, in those moments Victor Salva doesn't really cut away from Justin Long either. He's kind of like stuck on him. It's kind of a silent moment where we're supposed to see what Justin Long is seeing by looking at his face and knowing like wow this must be really bad but but in that it doesn't really work out so well because he doesn't have much of an expression whatsoever it's just kind of like mouth mouth agape uh eyes wide at that point you know what is he looking at it's pro- maybe it's a maybe it's like a poster a, a baywatch poster or something it's on the tits. wall yeah it's tits on the wall and he's like whoa you know and the same thing that happens when he sees Darla's body that's you know the woman that supposedly was killed back uh, 20 years ago with her boyfriend. She, yeah, with her boyfriend. It? She's plastered on the wall. And she's naked. And maybe he is just looking at her like, wow, Darla, you know, she she may be dead, decapitated, her head sewn back on, but damn, she has some good tits on there. And you can't really tell because there's no there's no subtlety to like Justin Long's expression. It's always is the same thing. Just Mouth wide open. I love it too uh, that they're uh, wearing like the class ring. Like, yeah, that's how you know they're from the seventies. They actually bother to buy a fucking. <laughs> they had a class <laughs> ring. Yeah, their <laughs> hands clasped together. But you got to admit, in this scenario, the creepers are romantic. Why keep them together like that? Everybody else is just pinned to the wall. Like, I don't give a shit. They're naked, pinned to the wall, whatever. But the the two the two couple the couple there, 
the prom king and queen or whatever they were supposed to be, they're together. They're holding hands. They've got their ring to... He's a romantic through and through, I think, and, and he meant to do that. It was it was intentional. But, uh, yeah, I think that that opening scene is probably some of the best that Jeepers Creepers has to offer. Um, it's tense towards the beginning. Um, the one thing that I will say that doesn't really work in the film's favor is the Creepers' stupid beeping. Because it's way over the top. His Because it has the same sound effect, but it doesn't really make sense. Like, it's like he's got a novelty horn at that point, And it too. sounds like it's supposed to go with the score, not that he's actually, you know, honking yeah, his, ha- honking his the horn. Because yeah. the way they pair the score during those scenes and then the horn blasting, it sounds like the, you know, they're, like, doing the score. And, 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 and then the, Yeah, and it's rhythmic, and someone's in the back, like, of the symphony, like, going, playing, yeah. like, you know, like... This is like, you know, fucking, like, Vuvuzilla or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, Hunger! but it's rhythmic. Yeah, because it's like, that... cause like... <laughs> yeah. that's the thing that gets me about that scene. I don't think it really comes off as scary more than it is kind of laughable because, because of that honking. That just it, makes him sound like an angry truck driver, yeah. like that, like you know, like that. I would be more okay with just the regular honking of a horn, like you know, regular truck horn, just like kind of out of air horn out of nowhere sort of thing. But when it has that rhythmic quality to it, where it's actually like two notes being played, it it sounds like again the creeper went out to the store and was like, or or to like the garage, and was like, you know what I need. I need a specialty air horn. <laughs> it, would be great. it would be great if he had, like, the fucking Duke's, like, hazard horn, like... Yeah, yeah. Well, or, that's almost what it's like. like it's, no, actually, no, that's, like, Russian. I'd be like... It's what it is, but it's it's not the theme, but it is a rhythmic specialty horn. It sounds like he got it custom modified. But, again, too, that's another thing Justin Long brings up, is, like, he's his truck's traveling so fast, apparently. It's got to be going what like if just if Justin's driving that old beat up car at like 70 80 miles per hour then the creeper's got to be going at least 100 in that old souped truck, up or something souped up truck so he had to also go and get it souped up somewhere and he learned he learned the mechanics of yeah. <laughs> over the years you know and he's the other th- okay because he's well, ahead of ourselves. Well, let's say because he only feasts every twenty twenty third spring for twenty three days. So maybe in that downtime, he's learning like, all right, how do I convert this engine into a, a nice Dodge Cumus V eight engine? You yeah, know? I want to do some truck pulling too. <laughs> yeah, well, while I'm not hungry, I'm I'm going to be doing I'm making gonna, money on the side. I'm going down to the truck poles, you know, at the local hey, in that country, at the, lo- at the local in, in dirt the track. town of Poho. It doesn't seem out of place, to be honest with me. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I think that the the film, um, as it goes along, as we start to uh, see the creeper more and more, it gets a lot cheesier as it goes on. Um, the mystique is gone pretty quick. Yeah, the, the the creeper itself works a lot better either when you think that he's just a regular dude who's really creepy, who's been murdering people on this road, or when you know that he's a supernatural being but you don't get to see him. Because I think that the opening shots of him where he's just throwing bodies into the, the pit, I think that works pretty well because from that perspective... 
you can only really tell like it's a weird dude who's wearing who's is like wearing a big hat and you know look, kind of looks coat. countryish. Yeah, yeah, trench coat. Um, at that point, you like he's just a weird guy. You can't really see any detail to him. Though it is what ruins it is though they're like fucking hundreds of feet away from there. <laughs> like, he's throwing something down that pipe. You can tell that, and they're tied in rope. How can you see that? And I saw blood. Again, how can you see that? I know I have bad eye vision. And I'm not, I haven't been blessed with sight. Yeah. But from the distance they are from, like, where he's doing that, like, how can, like, does he have, like, Justin Long have, like, 20-10 vision? He like, must, yeah. It, like, was, it was pretty far when you first see, like, the perspective. Yeah. Of, here's, the, the, of, here's the church and here's him throwing the bodies and in. And where they're driving. Yeah. You so can, it's, like. Even then, like, when you when they get up closer, at that point, the creeper stops because he sees them going yeah, by, and he doesn't like throw any more bodies in. So there's no way for them now at that close distance to see what he what was doing. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's a small nitpick. But at the same time, yeah, it's it is kind of annoying. But I think like when once we get further into the film, and the creeper's actual face and identity becomes known, it gets infinitely more cheesy. It's off the rails. Yeah, it's Spawn. It's literally they took Spawn and. Like, Mr. Sinister or something from X-Men. Like, here's our villain, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the reason... And Man-Bat from, like, Batman. Yeah, pretty much. He's basically, like, a bat figure, bird figure, um, but also sort of like a super villain sort of thing. It it almost has a super villain quality to it. Like I said, something like from X-Men or something. Um, And that kind of takes away from it, especially the makeup on the face. That's it's, a it's, really... It's bad. That's the worst part of the Creeper, he I think, to me. terrible. Yeah, I think that's... that's the, not, it's not even, like, creepy or scary. It's yeah. Just, like, it's... And not only that, and then when you compound the fact, like, that you get the, that great early 2000 CGI for, like, his, like, bat wings, and, like, when it pops up, it's like, oh. It's like, oh, like, that just... That looks awful. Yeah. <laughs> It only gets worse. Like, I think Jeepers Creepers 2 is even worse because it does give you even more shots of the Creeper actually, like, dead on. You can actually see everything about the Creeper. It, it takes away the, the mystery of it. Like I said, with the beginning, there is that sort of mystique because you can't see anybody in the truck. So it, he's kind of kept a secret. You can only see, really, that he's a, a guy. You don't know anything supernatural about him at the beginning. But as it keeps going along... Salva's character starts to blossom out of control. Now you have this guy who only comes out every 23rd spring for 23 days. So now you're left with like, um, there's a background to him that you don't really understand. Like, why is it 23 days? Why is it 23 springs? Why? Because he's a demon and Jesus put certain rules on him. And what is he supposed to do within that time period between then? Like, every 20, you know, he just doesn't do anything at that time. He hibernates. Again, we already discussed it. He's learning, you know, auto mechanics. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And then you also have, you know, now he needs to consume things in order to do what? To regenerate, to like... Right, to, to regenerate... To, to, to extend ex- his life is what it's, you know... Yeah, but at the same time, like, why does it have to be specific body parts? Why does he want specific eyes? Why does he want a specific spleen every time? What What is the point of it? Why, why not just seek out the most... Whatever is available. Or or take well, harvest well, the most well, from no, it's someone. Not, it's not even like he's basing it off like their health too. It's off right. like, their fear, like the real yeah, the, the fear they you know feel when he yeah tests them. 
it's not it it like makes no difference in this scenario. Like why it's just basically a device. And not only that, it's not like they're like he went like spent like half the movie like trying to scare you know Justin Long, you yeah. know, uh, Gina Phillips to like kind of figure out which one he wants. It's just in the, the beginning basically. Yeah. So there's not enough detail there Mm-mm. to like make the whole background interesting. I think it would have been a lot more interesting if they spent more time, like, kind of detailing that. Like, why does he base it off fear? Like, what does he get out of it? Like, you know, obviously, it's, you know, hinted, like, it's pleasure for him. Like, yeah. You know. And, like, and like, he enjoys, you know, like, if certain, like, because obviously, when you watch the film, like, Gina's got, uh, you know, Trish, she has a, she's much stronger. Like, she stays, like, you know, more firm and, and smarter. And well and smarter, but like but like when she's getting like thrown with these things, she's not like <laughs> like that. Yeah. She's more like, no, you know, especially when you see in the le- at the end how she's willing to sacrifice herself. Where Justin Long is like just constantly like, I don't know what to do. So maybe for him, yeah, he may need those eyes to, you know, regenerate his eyes. But for him, it's, you know, he the taste and the enjoyment of, like, the fear that he feels compared to what she feels is what makes the hunt for him. But again, they don't really, they don't explain enough. It's, it, I agree with that. It's just totally like, oh, he, here's, you know, some little, it, like, if they weren't going to bother explaining it, you didn't really have to have that then. You could just no. have, like, he just, he just picks certain people. And he just wants them, and he just chases them down. Yeah. That's all you need, really. You don't, you don't need to know why. That's yeah. that's just his mo. Yeah, because if you're not gonna bother to spend the time to really invest and explain and show it, then yeah, you're right. There's, there's no point. I think that what happens with the cop, the main cop guy, where he eats his tongue, it doesn't yeah. even make sense either because that negates the whole purpose of of going out to find someone specifically. So if he wanted that tongue, then why didn't he track someone down with the perfect tongue that he well, could he did, stare? Well, he did when he pick up his head and sniff it to in like the, true and all that because like, that's part of his thing. Like, like so maybe like when he was dying, he's like, oh, that scent of fear I like. I can smell it. Yeah, but again, like you said, they don't explain enough like how this whole. This whole connection and thing works, so it's like, all right, oh, he's just doing it, so we can have this creepy little shot of like, you know, I think a silhouette shot of him. Like, is he kissing the head? No, he's eating his tongue. Yeah, I think it's just a more so a uh, device to explain why specifically they end up. G- yeah, Justin Long and, and Gina are getting targeted. Yeah, they're targeted, and then eventually, why Derry's the one that's taken rather than you know Trish or even Giselle, uh, who doesn't have any. You know, she she has an interaction with the creeper, but nothing happens to her. So, it's really a plot device, and I think that that's where Jeepers Creepers really slips up in that probably the second and third act, where it unnecessarily expands the film. For one thing, we don't need like the entire police station battle scene. It's it's over the top. The thir- it the doesn't th- the third act in this is the most miserable part? Yeah, it's, it definitely is. It's an exposition dump. Yep. With um Giselle, the, which we didn't even talk about, Giselle played by Patricia Belcher. Yeah, as a uh, fucking call me now for your free tarot card reading, Miss Cleo. You know? Yeah, psychic uh, person who has dreams about what happens. And of course, because she's psychic, everything she talks about has to be about in vague terms. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of like. Didn't you see the cats? I like the cats. Like, what cats? The cats, you know. You'll see the cats. You... My favorite <laughs> part of this film by far 
is when Giselle calls um, the diner. The diner with Trish and Derry. And Derry grabs the phone and she's saying all these things like, "Have you seen the cats?" and not explaining it. Well, not only that, but <laughs> Derry does not respond in a normal fashion. Like, have you seen the cats? You'd say, no, I haven't. What are you talking about? Not, who is this? And he says it multiple times. Like, almost as though the dialogue in those scenes was not paired correctly <laughs> because the responses that he's giving don't make any sense to the questions or what is said. I love L- that. She's, like, talking all of a sudden, like, listen to this song for a second. Jeepers. <laughs> great. It's like, and you're like, what the fuck are you doing? What do you, what yeah. do you mean? You're like... <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's another great response from Justin Long, though. He's like, okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Which, yeah, no, just like, like t- trying to explain to him, like, all the visions. He's like, listen to this song. If you hear this song, run. And they play Jeepers Creepers. And he's like, okay. What do you, what do you mean? Yeah. And she's like, again, I hate it when they, ha- like, films have oracles in them and they're just giving you the. The gist of what's happening. And yeah. the runaround. Like, it's like, like, ah, oh, it's just. I get the idea that, like, if you're supposed to be an oracle, for the most part, you have these vague premonitions, uh, so y- you can't explicitly tell everything, but the fact that she's literally giving the whole fucking movie away, but again, in this very, just generic, vague, and at the same time, yelling, like... Right, because at that point, if you say, have you been with the cats yet, you could at least go into a little bit more detail, like, the cats are coming out of the house... Um, you were at a house, you know, yeah. at, at a house in the dark. You don't need to like, just, just like, like give out one small detail about there were cats. And then you have to kind of figure out like, well, I mean, I guess I could be with a cat. My mom has one. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 it does seem like another device, yet another device to give out exposition to explain the creeper. Um, it goes nowhere. Yeah, it doesn't. It, yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. That's the thing. It doesn't go anywhere because even though Giselle is supposed to be trying to help them. Like nothing matters in it for what and she does. And not only that, she's it it, yeah, no, not only that, she's like, I, you probably won't believe me. It's like, then why fucking bother? If you're sitting there like, I know you're not gonna believe what I'm gonna tell you, but I had to come. Like then it's like, well, why'd you come? Stay at home. Yeah. Be like, well, those damn kids, I, they're gonna die, but you're gonna die. You know, this happens every fucking twenty three years. Apparently, no one's ever seen the creeper. No one's ever seen the creeper though. He lives on a very busy highway and. Has been dropping off bodies into the church crypt for... Not like that. He shows up to the police station at the end. And the police station's like, they're all still alive. And like the next day, they, they're all acting yeah, it was It was business like, as, as usual. usual. Like, yeah, nothing happened. Criminals, like, the entire, <laughs> like, second floor windows blown out. But no, everybody's just like... Well, you know, got- five officers died in the line of duty <laughs> fighting this thing. No, yeah. next day, literally, the next day at the same station, business as usual. Yeah. Yeah, book book that guy. Yeah. Uh, whatever he's trying to <laughs> trying to steal another car. The poho in yeah the poho the poho police station is pretty busy considering <laughs> it's poho like a very county. small county, and I'm assuming nothing else happens besides. But they did assemble that SWAT team pretty quickly, which is pretty much the case in any film that has needs to have a SWAT team. Oh, yeah. It's like they're on call. Well, just imagine Die Hard if it took you know right. Or, or Death Wish. SWAT teams are plenty in that one. Saw. Yeah. The, the, the SWAT team and Saw. Epitome we of, like, SWAT, 
SWAT, SWAT teams on call twenty four seven. Like, and also they, get, they just get back from a mission. Like, well, lace back up, boys. We're going. I mean, I know it's like literally how like, I know how it's a quick response, but like at the same time, well, the, and because that's we part talked about in that one. There was like all across cities. Yeah, like in massive cities. Like, well, head on over to the other side <laughs> of the city where. You know, a city that should have multiple precincts. No, yeah. it's the same one SWAT. There were budget cuts, so they just had the SWAT ones. team responding to every single mission. Yeah, so it's the same thing with Jeepers Creepers. But yeah, the, uh, we didn't talk about this, but the other thing that bugs me is the uh, presence of the song Jeepers Creepers, which is really there for no reason besides the the title tie-in and to uh, sort of clue the viewer in, like he's coming. It's thrown at you in such a haphazard way, like in heavy hand. Not only, not only does Giselle tell them and the viewer specifically look out for this song, but then in every single scene where the song is playing, the characters have to mention it. Like, oh, that's the song. The song is playing. You know, there's no like, um, like subtlety to it. Of just like hearing it slightly, like oh, you know, it sounds like that might be on the radio, you know, playing and something's happening. No, it's it's clearly blocked out for you. Like oh yeah, no, actually, the the creepers attacking right behind our characters. Um, I'm in the car behind them. Um, so that is another thing again that just complicates the creeper in a way that's super unnecessary. Like why? And the fact that he's like whistling it. Yeah. Why? Why? This, demo- this demonic being is just walking around. Going, Yeah, why, first of all, why do it? It doesn't even really match up with what the Creeper's M.O. is besides going after Justin Long for his eyes because it's specifically about peepers. I don't understand it. It seems like a total waste of a tune just to get to a title. Well, maybe because they're like, well, we paid this amount of money for this song. Yeah, must be. We better fucking get our our money's worth more. I, I guess, because it just seems like it's so out of place within the film itself. And, and just heavy-handed whenever it, it, it does come on. There's no nuance to it where the viewer has any attempt to like pick it out and say, like, ooh, I think something bad's going to happen. No, you know something bad's going to happen because they tell you. <laughs> they tell you specifically. Um, what else you got? What else do you want to talk about? Don't you just love what? But the scene I have the most, the fondest of memories of, is the whole of them running over the damn creeper. Oh yeah, car. absolutely fucking hilarious. It's great because at first when they try like to run him over, he's like fucking, <laughs> like Hong Kong action. <laughs> what you know? Wire jumping over the car. <laughs> It's not even like he's like doing a flip or jumping over. No, he's like jumping and hovering in the air over the car, but then like his feet are touching it, and then like. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really funny, um, because it there's no real. You know, sense he, he that, knows kung fu too. But yeah, but at the same time, the car's not even going very fast. No, so it's, it's not, not that hard to even just jump out of the way of it. It's, it's not like it's meant to be some sort of like, oh my god, she's speeding at me. I have no chance to react to it. I think, like, it just seems very silly all around, but then, yes, when you add in, like, the wire jumping, too, that just makes it ten times more ridiculous than it already is. Um, 
But yeah, he does even do a flip. I think at one point, doesn't he? he does like some sort of flip off the car. It's or something. like fucking like like okay, here's our John Woo, you know? Yeah, style, you know, jumping. We like for for what reason? For no reason, but it's like, you know. for no reason. And not only that, he can also the, fly. And not only that, her, you know, Trish decides she's gonna try and trick him by acting like the transmission stalled. And again, you get some great acting from Justin Long. They're like, what are you doing? What are you? What are you doing? We gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. While she's like sitting there, come on, come on, you bitch, you mother, come on, you motherfucking yeah. bitch, come on. He literally takes like two steps to the car, and that was enough for him to get fooled and not jump, you know, and react in time to get run over by the car. Yeah. It's like, it's not literally not like. <laughs> they, like the distance, like, closed even further. No, like, he's like two steps closer now. Like, alright, yeah. that's enough to hit him. And then. It's even just funnier, and like, just like, is he dead? They never are. And then she just like backs over him, and like a couple of times. But when she's like, they never are, you can just QCSI Miami, like, yeah. True, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you do have to give it to Jeepers Creepers. Is a little bit smarter than your average horror film in that it understands no, the medical. No, I'm not saying. I don't. I'm not saying it's bad because I do think it's funny, and I think it's you know. Yeah. I do, I, like I said, I, I'm not kidding when I say it's, like, one of the better and, you know, good scenes, because it's, it's, it's campy, but at the same time, it's, it's meta in the right way, in the yeah. right sense, on the commentary for itself. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think that works really well, I think that's, you know, I think that's really cool. I think, like, the only stupid, you know, what makes, I mean, as stupid as, like, the whole wire jumping is, and the trick that, like, gets him run over, and how it's like, well, it shouldn't really make a difference... I still think it works. I still think it's a pretty uh, funny but very enjoyable scene. And yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think it works. It's not the only time where we have that meta commentary either. Um, when uh, Trish, when Justin Long's character Derry's getting into the pipe, she's kind of like, you know, how in a horror movie you root against the character because they're doing something stupid. Well, this <laughs> is it. So I think it, it does have that smarts smartness to it, and and it understands, you know, when. The characters are doing something stupid, and when it needs to like comment on that, even that, even that, like like when the, they're you know first get chased and nearly run off the road by the creeper, they're like, oh, this is the kind of car a serial killer would have, right? Yeah, yeah. You kind of have that commentary, which I I do like. It understands you know pre- past horror yeah. films and kind of works off of that. So that's nice to have. Do you think that Derry's supposed to be gay in this film? There are a lot of connotations to. Sort of a you know gay subtext. No, I don't really see it. No, because he said gay fever. I don't think. Yeah, but that's not the only thing. He also. Uh, well, you're talking about the rose, his little four front tramp stamp of a rose. Like, not not just that, but he does have that strange rose. I mean, that's a very weird detail from Victor Salva. That's very strange to just have a rose tattoo. I don't on know, his, around his belly around button. his belly button. It's weird. But there's also that scene where. Uh, He's talking about his pink dyed underwear that's in the laundry room, and Trish says, "Are you th- are you sure they're not telling you something about yourself?" And there's a couple different references to it that I think are probably they come from Salva's own experiences because he is as a gay man. Um, but it's just interesting to me that th- I think that's that's trying to come out a little bit within the film. So, so you're saying the film's a critique on how the gay community is attacked by the general public. 
Possibly. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I think there's I some there's some deep hidden meaning here. Hidden hidden meaning here about how there is certainly um while we do see quite a few women victims, they're mostly males and we see when we see the the photos of the missing people, they're all male. So it seems as though the uh creeper not only targets um people that he smells fear in, but they're always almost always male. So it is interesting in that sense to, you know, have a a villain that's always targeting a male population um, may, that may or may not be gay at times. So it's it's interesting. I'm not saying I think that's just kind of a subtextual thing comes out from Victor Salva's own. Yeah, but they wouldn't make sense. Then. Subte- like, like subconscious, the, like but the, the two like main, you know, victims is like a you know. Peggy Sue, you know, and... Oh, Darla and yeah. uh, the other guy. Well, you could always say that Darla was really not the target, but just happened to be in the way. But why would she be sewn together with him? Because he just has fun after. It's his, like, his version of taxidermy. Well, obvious, yeah. but I'm, I'm just... It's... No, I'm not saying I, I really believe that, but I think that it's an interesting concept within the film itself, that there are those moments of... Where you see, like, even just, like, the wall of missing people is just all male. It's all male. There's not even a female I, did, I didn't pay enough yeah. attention to it's that. Just, to, I mean, it's an interesting to, to, uh, pick, to pick it up. tidbit. It's not something that I think comes out, but it's more of a subtextual reference or, or unconscious decision. But interesting all the same that I wanted to bring it up. Well, maybe if it was a different writer, I'd just be, I, you know, like, someone that's... More known to have like a clever film out there. Maybe this is a subtext. Like the demon is the Christian church, and they're well, maybe go- going after you know homo- executive producer Francis Ford Coppola is pushing for it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I mean, it is surprising that Coppola would put his name and money towards something like Jeepers Creepers. It's a it's an odd decision, obviously. Predicated well, on like the fact was, that well, they're friends, like, really. I was going to say, it's not like he was really doing much at the time. No, no, it's, that's true. But, and, but to be fair, after the Coppola made four of the greatest films in the 70s. In Godfather, Godfather Part Two, The Conversation, and uh, Apocalypse Now. He could have just called it quits after that and be like, alright, you know, I had my fun. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, but, you know... Early two thousands, he wasn't really doing much. Like, I mean, I you're right. I don't understand. I never really paid attention to the fact that he executive produced it. That never stuck out to me. So until you kind of brought that up today, I didn't really have that like in my mind, like mm-hmm. of something that he's been associated with. But no, you're right. I I I do like think that's it is weird that he's like, yeah, well, I'll be you know, yeah, I'll be producing this and yeah. and associating American Zoetrope with yeah. with this, yeah. It's a. I think it probably just has to do with them being friends and needing a backer. Yeah, basically to get it sold and to get it into theaters yeah. and things like that. But uh, you know, it's it's funny to just to see Francis Ford Coppola listed on something of this ilk because it's not really that common for him to be associated with a horror film. Dracula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the drag, but even then, that's more of like an artistic in style goth- in gothic. Yeah, yeah a film. Whereas Jeepers Creepers. You, I wouldn't really say it's artistic or has much merit outside of just being a horror slasher film. It's a, it doesn't go any further than that. And I I don't know if that's 
generally the norm with Coppola stuff. But interesting all the same. What do you think of the Creeper's overall look? Yeah, I mean, I I think... Because it's not really a slasher film. It is a monster film. It is a monster film as well. I don't really enjoy any of the Creeper once we get into like the second and third act and see a lot more of him. When he's in the hat, when he's kind of in his uh, trench coat coat outfit, I'm fine with that. I'm cool. I think that looks pretty cool. I think it would work well if that's all we ever saw of him, of a very veiled creeper. Um, Not something that goes more, that's outwardly beast-like, like what we get with the creeper later on, when he becomes a sort of bat bird-like creature. I don't think that it works very well. It doesn't, it doesn't um, maintain the tension that the original portion of it when he was kept veiled does. Um, so I, I don't like it. I mean, I'm okay with him being able to fly and everything like that. It, I, that doesn't bug me. And I almost kind of do like the idea that he's sort of like a bat man. Um, but I would much rather have him be a lot less present, you know, in terms of we seeing him explicitly. I, I don't, I don't like that. And I'm not, that's, that pretty much holds true to most horror films where we, there's like a mysterious figure that eventually becomes more explicit the longer that you watch. I'm not a huge fan of that. I would rather them being left to the, to the darkness. Yeah, the imagination. No, I, I agree. I think, um, I think the film could even work as just like a a premise of it being, you know, a regular creepy guy doing, you know, shady shit like that. Yeah. Um, I am fine with the fact of him being like a demonic man bat. Um, but at the same time, the more that you just get to see the makeup and what they decide to have him look like, it, it does get totally ruined, I think, just by the, yeah, just, I, just by, just by, it's like, cause once you finally see like how he actually looks, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. You're not like, oh, that's scary. Like, like as I said, you look at him like, that's Spawn. He looks like Spawn. I don't love, like, the hair that they added to him, like, the longer hair in the long, back. The long white hair. Yeah, I don't like that that much. Um, I am okay, though, with the more, like, s- demonic appearance when his face opens up outward. Yeah, chud-looking yeah, thing. Yeah, like the, the very, uh, you know, widespread and fi- yeah. Yeah, face. I'm cool with that because I think that differentiates him a little bit more from just being, like, a guy with some bad makeup on or something. You know what I mean? It, it differentiates it a but little bit. But it's ruined, more. though, because that whole, like, like as we as we said, the whole, like, third act and what happens in the police station is, like, just total, total fucking idiocy and bullshit. Yeah. It's, so, it's like, really so that out whole, of control. Like, yeah, so when, like, that, when you get to the point when you're seeing him, like, you know, getting ready to take Derry away, and he, you know, is trying to scare them with, you know, it's, it's totally ruined just by the... The fact that, like, it's yeah. so chaotic, and yeah. now it's progressed down the rabbit hole yeah. too far. And, yeah, I, I I agree. I think that third act is really where Jeepers Creepers falls apart. I think it could have been a good movie, like, a, a very good movie, if they had gone a different way with the ending. And not really focus so much on the need to uh, get parts from other people and only that you don't even need to show like the, I, I don't even think you need to show the creeper until like the very end no you could have had it like the, the entire film just him stalking them yeah and not really revealing and showing much and then the big reveal is at the end you know that's that's the climax when he actually gets dairy 
and takes him away. You actually get to see what the creeper actually looks like. You could have had, you know, the cast going on this wild goose chase of, like, they do see the bodies, they do see all that, and they're trying to convince the cops and locals of this, and then, you know, going back there, and it's, you know, like, oh, there's nothing here and nothing there. Like, you don't actually have to even have the creeper throughout the film, like, killing these people. You can just have him, like, tricking and playing these games with them, yeah, and then people not believing them, and, you know, which would make sense, because he's trying to, you know... Not get discovered. He wants to, you know, be subtle. Right. Wants to creep. So, you could totally do that. And then, like, have at the end where you have some kind of showdown. Or it's not like the, at a police station. There's just police where it's just between uh, Justin Long, Gina Phillips, and the Creeper. Yeah. And, the- you, and you go from there. And that would be much... And that would be a thousand times better. Yeah. Slow build... Slow build... Uh, slow build and slow burn. Make it more more thriller than, you which, know. I mean, which the beginning of it really does have a slow build. And it as it goes on, you, you have that sort of moment where everything starts to pick up the pace. Yeah. Because it, it needs to. Because it's got to explain all that stuff. It's got to explain why the Creeper's targeting th- these people. It's got to give the backstory about 23 Springs and all that other stuff. It's too much clogs up everything and you don't need the cops at all because that's a really unrealistic and ridiculous scene at that point that pretty much I think only is there to increase the body count you you really just want to get as many kills in it as possible at that time and I, I just it doesn't work and I would have rather had it had a more elongated but um simplistic ending conclusion yeah. to it so I don't know does it hold up to the nostalgia of you? You know what you remember when uh, you saw it. Uh, not quite. No, but I wouldn't say it's nearly like as bad memory-wise as like Halloween H two O and I know what you did last summer. Um, I would probably in out of ten. Uh, Ms. Cleo, not <laughs> I'll probably give it a six, actually. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's a good, a good idea. I like the idea. And I like the premise of the film. I think it's just not like the first. In the first act, does work pretty good. Um, I think though, at the second act, it starts to falter, and the third, it totally falls apart. But I think what makes it enjoyable. I do think though. I don't really care for Gina Phillips in this. I think she's okay. Justin Long, though, is such a terrific delight, even still. I still think he's a terrific delight in this film. of Just being campy and overacting in what he's doing. And he just chews every scene he's in. It makes that enjoy... Like, you know, you can sit through and bear through the film's uh, problems. Yeah. Because it is problematic... Um, like I said, I think if they just kind of thought more about how to tackle and approach it, right? I think if you did it the way I want, like I like I said, like how you should have done it, it wouldn't have been a slasher film. It would have been more of a you know a thriller mm-hmm. horror film, but it would have worked better. I think. I mean, I I don't think because if you go like the the slasher route that they did, I think it just ends up being another generic slasher film. True. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I gave it the last time that I watched this, which was, you know, back in October. I think I gave it a seven. And I would agree with that. I think, um, you know, it's still a pretty good film. And you're right. I think Justin Long adds a lot to this just because he is a lot of fun to watch on screen. G- gives it his all. Really exaggerates a lot of those performances. And, you know, while it would be nice probably to have a Jeepers Creepers film that's like very grounded grounded and you know realistic and and perhaps not as campy um it works pretty well as a campy film too i just wish that some of the creeper effects would have been relegated to like darker scenes so you don't see everything about him and he's kind of left in as a mystery that you don't get to experience until even just the end of the film or maybe even just left till jeepers creepers 2 where in that comes out even more in that film like if you didn't like the jeep the creeper in Jeepers Creepers, you definitely won't like it in Jeepers Creepers 2, which just gets yeah. amped up to even higher levels of ridiculousness. Um, but uh, how would you... I mean, we now we're done with the 90s slasher month. Um, and even though Jeepers Creepers is actually an 01 slasher film. Um, what do you think? Where does this rank in the films that we've watched? It's my second favorite. Yeah, um, I'm kind of surprised about my order. I would say Urban Legend. Mm-hmm. I would never have guessed Urban Legend. I know, being, right? Like yeah. the favorite, but that like just is like the perfect blend of nostalgia, hit being very ingrained in the '90s and embracing it, yep. and actually not being that bad. It, like actually, you know. So I think Urban Legend is probably my number one. Jeepers Creepers number two. The Faculty number three. Uh, I know you did last summer number four on Halloween H2O number five. I completely agree. That's exactly my ranking. Just uh, exactly what you said. I mean, Urban Legend is pretty fun just because you have all those 90s references. A lot of like just nostalgia for the time period because it's heightened in that film. More so than all of the other ones that we watch. Um, Jeepers Creepers for what we talked about. Um, then you have the faculty, which it does still have the nineties references, still has a lot of the same ideas and like ridiculous names and stuff like that, but just on a smaller scale. Um, I know what you did last summer, not a good film whatsoever, as we talked about in the, in the previous episodes. Um, and, uh, just very much boring and bland and, 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 you know, uh, Obvious knockoff of Scream. Kevin Williamson did one movie very well and then tried again and and just did not succeed at that point. Um, So you can just, with I know what you did last summer, it just, there's nothing very memorable about it. This, it's just a very bland, boring experience all around. And then finally, Halloween H2O, which is not only just bland and and boring, but also completely horrible. I would almost say it's the nadir of uh, Halloween, the franchise, but it's not because Hall- Rob Zombie's Halloween. Mm. I would say is even worse. <laughs> I don't know about that. I I don't know if I would say it's worse. It's definitely very different, but I, at least that one's a little bit more entertaining because of how crazy it is. Wherein Halloween H2O is just completely it's it's a lackluster film all around. Doesn't even have Halloween in it very often. Um, doesn't work for me whatsoever. I, I, I honestly can't can 
totally see that being renamed something else. Take Michael Myers out or like stick another mask on Michael Myers. You have a completely different film franchise. And I was going to say, because we didn't really mention it. I think this, all, we did mention how Cheaper Creepers does connect to the two, uh, early late 90s slasher films. Because I was going to say, you, you, I don't think we stressed it enough because there might be some people like, well, you know, how does it connect to these films? Is you got teens getting chased and killed. You got, you know, possibly, as you hinted at, their sexual, you know, nature. You got a mysterious, you know, like, invincible-style killer. Yep. Even though he's a monster. But it's still, you know, it's so, I think, those are, like, there's enough things here that kind of connect it to... Yeah. Even though Jeepers Creepers is relatively timeless besides that. Because there's not that much that you can connect to a time period, really. Um, I mean, maybe the style of dress a little bit. Uh, I would no. I would say it's it's pretty, you know. Yeah, but it, other than that, it's it's pretty timeless. There's yeah. nothing really in it that even because even like the soundtrack has no references to there's a no, time period or anything outside, like that. Outside of the you know song Jeepers Creepers, it's uh you know it's a symphonic score. It's, yeah, so, so. It's, it's a pretty timeless. Thomas film itself. Alright, so uh next week for the podcast, we are doing Wonder Woman. Which um surprisingly has been getting really good reviews. So uh, I'm I'm open and interested to seeing what is in store for us. Are you sure DC didn't pay those reviewers off? I don't know. That's a lot of money to pay eighty three different reviewers, so after Superman, the debacle of uh, Batman v Superman Suicide Squad, they might, you know. Well, you know, though, that we're, as uh, critics, we're never going to win with this. So if we do really like Wonder Woman, people are just going to say it's the same style of movie as Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad, and we're just now coming around because everybody says it's okay to like it. Or we're, going, or, or we're you know, we're just being hipsters and try, you know, try, you know, Everyone likes it. You're just, you know... You're, you don't... you're just going to say that you don't like it just because. Yeah. So we're never going to win with this. So what, however we feel about it, we're well, my never going to qu- Well, my question is, and we'll talk about it when we watch it next week. What, what are the... Like, I'm just thinking about it. Like, because I haven't read the reviews. I, I didn't know it was doing well until... No, I, I haven't read I, them either. Until but... I saw that, you know, gif of, you know, like a sniper <laughs> shooting at Wonder Woman that says Rotten Tomatoes and that fires, you know, a rotten score at her and she... Bounces it off, you know, her her armband. So I, I'm just kind of thinking, like, what could they have done different in that film that's like, oh, they they got it. They got it this time. I'm thinking maybe it's just the, um, the storyline, really. I know, but the direction looks the same, too. Yeah. At least from, like, the trailers that I've seen, it looks like a very, like, Zack Snyder-y style. And I'm not. Fa- I don't like Zack Snyder. I like. I think his direction and style for like Batman v Superman and Man of Steel, like that whole like dark gray. Not you know, Batman's you know kind of you know dark and gray, but it's not to the level that it is in uh, being portrayed in those films. So it's. I'm. I'm just curious. Yeah. I, like like what they possibly could have done that's like well that's well total one i know i'm optimistic so i'm i can't wait to see it just just to see what it's all about we've come this far i honestly i am not as we've shown in uh, the other episodes 
we're not ones to like root against these DC movies. I really don't want to see them fail. No, I want to see a good Superman movie. I want to see a good Batman movie. Yeah. I, I want to see a I want to see a fucking great Justice League movie. Cuz again, as we pointed out before, I I mean, I'm not a comic I don't read comics as I stated before cuz the canon's so big and large. It's like it and I'm yeah. such a completionist, like, it's too daunting of a task, at, the, for, at least for me to, like, pick up and, like, try to figure it all out and, you know, piece it all together. So I just know what I've read online, because I am interested in the lore, but it's not, you know, and want to learn about it. But at the same time, I don't go out of my way to read the actual books, because, like I said, like, it's just too daunting to pick up the canon. Like, but at the same time, from what all the stuff that I know and all the media, like, because I do watch the cartoons and all that, so... I I do like I do like DC more than I like Marvel. Yeah, but I would say Marvel has done a hell of a lot better of a job with its properties in the films than DC has. Right, and that's not like a bias. That's just like look, it's yeah, it's there, and that's the yeah. the mm-hmm. call that we're making. I mean, I don't have much. I I don't have much experience with Wonder Woman, but I'm I'm definitely interested to see where they go with it. So. Uh, that'll be, I know, we're probably going to see it like, I don't know, I would say like Sunday or something like that, Sunday or, mm-hmm. or Monday, and, um, you know, we'll be back, back with Wednesday, Wednesday with the, well, for, for people listening, it'll be Thursday, Thursday with the podcast, so check it out, um, and that will be our 70th episode, so fun times. Um, other than that, we're done with the 90s slasher films, and we'll be moving on to uh, other stuff after Wonder Woman. We haven't really decided that, but uh, more to come. So thank you for listening to Blood and Black Rum Podcast. You can catch us on iTunes or Stitcher or any other podcast app that you use. Uh, we're on Facebook, and you can like us on there. Let us know what you think of the show. Um, you can find us on Twitter. We're at Blood and Black Rum. Uh, you can tweet us on there. Hopefully you follow us and, you know, we post some quiz. Uh, we post uh, some t- uh, polls and stuff like that. So keep an eye out for that sort of thing. Uh, we are on Patreon, patreoncom slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. You can donate to the show. It's a monthly donation, so keep that in mind when you uh, sign up for it. And uh, other than that, you can email us at Blood and Black Rum Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think, and uh, you know, let us know what any films that you want us to cover would be so that we can incorporate those into the show. Um, Thanks a lot for listening. Catch us next week for our Wonder Woman episode. And until then, take care. See you later.